Welcome to Discover Barnstable, the official podcast of the town of Barnstable, a podcast where you can meet the people who steward the programs and services for the town of Barnstable that connects us to our quality of life. We invite you to join the conversation as we navigate municipal government and our community pathways to help you discover Barnstable. I'm Paula Hersey, and today I am joined with our guest, Dr. Laurel Shader, Senior Scientist at Silent Spring Institute and Public Works Water Supply Division Supervisor Hans Kaiser. Today, we're talking forever chemicals, or somewhat commonly known as PFOS or PFOA. P-F-O-A. So many acronyms in municipal government and (laughs) in the health, I would imagine. Dr. Laurel Shader, please introduce yourself to our listeners today. It's great to be here, Paula. Um, My name is Laurel Shader. I'm a senior scientist at Silent Spring Institute. We're an independent nonprofit research organization dedicated to understanding links between everyday chemical exposures and health with a particular focus on women's health and breast cancer prevention. I've been with Silent Spring since 2009. Um, We've been looking at water quality here on Cape Cod, um, most recently focused on the PFAS chemicals or forever chemicals, but broadly thinking about other unregulated emerging drinking water contaminants in the waters of Cape Cod. My background is in environmental chemistry and engineering and public health. Great. And Hans, lots of our listeners do know you uh, um, with the Hyannis Water Supply, but please introduce yourself. Let us know a little bit about you. Hans Kaiser. I am the supervisor um, of the Water Supply Division, DPW, Town of Barnstable. Um, I've been with the town since 2001, and uh, I've been in charge of the um, Hyannis Water System. And we basically supply drinking water and fire flow services to the greater Hyannis area. Fantastic. So welcome both of you to the show. We're going to let our listeners know that this is a complex subject. And today's their 101 version of learning a little bit more about these forever chemicals and emerging contaminants. And I'm going to start first with the acronyms, right? PFOS, PFOA. I'll have... Both of you take a shot at this. Why don't we start with um, Laurel? Um, what are these chemicals? Sure. So PFAS or PFAS is an acronym that stands for a broad family of chemicals. Um, this may not be an acronym that's familiar to many people, but my guess is that many people have products in their homes that contain PFAS, things like Gore-Tex, Scotchgard, Stainmaster, and Teflon. Um, These chemicals are used in many nonstick, stain-resistant, and waterproof products. Um, The number of PFAS chemicals seems to keep growing. The latest estimates that I've seen are that there are 12,000 different compounds that can be considered PFAS. Um, You mentioned a couple of specific ones already. PFOA and PFOS are two members of this very broad family. And those are the two examples of specific chemicals that show up frequently in people's bodies and in drinking water. That was a great explanation. Hans, you want to add anything to that or you think she covered it? Uh, she covered it a uh, heck of a lot better than I ever could. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. So let's talk a little bit, um, you know, in this discussion with, with Hans here, is Hyannis used to have higher levels of PFOS uh, than any other drinking public water supply in Massachusetts. Um, the town has done a great job in stepping up to the challenge, and now all the water is being f- filtered to remove these forever chemicals. 
How is the town of Barnstable addressing these impacts? Um, there's been some significant changes to Hyannis water supply over the past few years. Yes, there has been. Um, I would think the, the first time we knew anything about these chemicals was when Silent Spring in 2009-2010 did an initial test for emerging contaminants. That's when we discovered that these type of chemicals were in the water. Uh, at that moment, um, we had a uh, an health advisory from the federal government that was like fairly high, and we were about we were at about fifty percent of that. So, at that moment, it felt like well, it's not great, but it's not that bad either. Um, but then what happened in with the UCMR testing in 2015, we found the levels uh, more problematic in the Mary Dunn area. Okay. And that is when we started to act and start putting in filtration systems. The interesting part there was that um, while we were working through installing these filtration systems, the health levels and health advisory levels on the federal government and later the state government changed. They basically moved the goalpost. So um, we were thought we thought we'd be good, and then all of a sudden they moved, they lowered the levels, and all of a sudden we had to install more um, activated carbon filtration systems to remove the PFAS. Uh, so we, we've been pretty busy since 2015. At this moment, we have uh, filtration systems on all our wells, so the listeners can know and, and be assured that the finished water that they're drinking is PFAS-free. Uh, it's actually, you know, below the detection limit is, is the correct way to say that. Okay. Uh, but all the water is filtered and it's safe to drink. Okay. And just for clarification for some of our listeners, um, the Hyannis Water Supply has multiple wells um, throughout the area that they draw water from. Um, can you kind of give the listeners an understanding of where those wells may be? Yeah, uh, we basically um, have three areas in town. One area is uh, north of the airport on Maridon, off of Maridon Road. We have five wells there. Uh, we have four wells down in the Hyannisport Straightway area. Okay. And we have three wells um, right at the corner of Route 28 and Yarmouth Road, uh, close to the town line with Yarmouth. Um, okay. And all those wells in all these different areas are being treated for PFAS and then uh, released into the distribution system. Okay. So let's talk about a little bit of how the federal government and the state government and the results of testing water um, kind of, you know, monthly water testing confirms or non-detects for PFAS in the drinking water system. How is that affecting your work um, uh, out there, uh, Laurel? And and then we'll bring it back to Hans and how the town is addressing some of these shifting goalposts with different types of filtration systems. So give us an understanding of, you know, 
what these um, uh, results really mean when we're testing the water and we're detecting these PFAS, what, what happens in that, that process? Sure. So the federal EPA has not yet set any enforceable drinking water standards for PFAS. Okay. They're working on two on regulations for two specific PFAS chemicals, PFOS and PFOA. Um, as Hans mentioned, over time, the EPA has had a series of different drinking water advisory levels that have gotten stricter over time. So they've gone down significantly. Um, most recently in June of 2022, they issued stricter guidelines for those two compounds, PFOS and PFOA, that were thousands of times lower than what they previously okay. had suggested as a sort of an upper bound recommendation for what should be in water supplies. Basically now any measurable level is considered too high by the EPA. Okay. Um, that may not be where the final drinking water standard ends up because the standards also have to take into account a level that can be measured um, and that's feasibly achieved by water supplies. Um, many states, regulators in many states, have considered the action by EPA too slow. Um, there is a considerable body of scientific research showing that low levels of PFAS can be harmful. And in the absence of federal standards, um, about 12 or 13 different states have stepped up and created their own guidelines, and in some cases, enforceable standards. And an important distinction between a guideline, which is sort of a, a suggestion or a recommendation, right. and a standard is that standards are enforceable. And so what that means, if, if a standard is in effect, water supplies need to do testing, and they need to take action if an exceedance is discovered. So Massachusetts is one of the states that has taken steps that are stricter than the EPA, and they set an enforceable standard in October of 2020, um, which has been right. phased in over time. So what that means is that other water supplies that weren't testing for PFAS in the past are testing now, and more water supplies both here on Cape Cod and across Massachusetts are discovering PFAS. Um, mm -hmm. And certainly that can be worrying for communities to discover that they have levels that are above um, above the standard, but I think it's it's important to know that. Um, and in other states that don't have standards, they may also have similar levels and not know about it. And it's important um, for towns to take action like Hyannis has. Um, the, the levels in Hyannis were quite a bit higher than many of the other water supplies that are now finding PFAS. Um, yeah. But because of the early information from our studies and from the EPA testing in 2013 to 2015, Hyannis had a, an earlier warning about it and were and they were have done a great job in stepping up to treat the water. Right. Um, we have to say that Hyannis water supply is, is um, ahead of the curve here. You're like one of the first in the state and pretty much first in the nation trying to get these filtration plants up and running. Um, we had some significant help from the state to, to help us do that. Um, talk about the new filtration plant that that is in Hyannis, uh, the Mahar Fields, and, and that particular facility that is online now, um, but it was built um, just a sh few short years ago. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, it's um, a facility, about $12 million uh, total cost to build. Um, and it basically not only removes the PFAS, it also takes care of another emerging contaminant, 1,4-dioxane. Okay. And to be able to properly treat PFAS, we also installed an iron and manganese filtration system. Um, what that does, it takes the iron and manganese out, which is a normal, very standard contaminant or compound that is in Cape Cod okay. groundwater. Everybody 
all the water systems on Cape Cod deal with iron and manganese okay. in a higher or lower level. It depends. But what that does is it, it kind of blinds. If you don't treat for it first, it kind of blinds and covers up the, the, uh, the, the carbon. And then it's much harder for water operators to actually have the water flow through the cabin to really deal with it. And then you've got to backwash a lot. It's a little bit like, um, like a, a pool you have in your backyard type of deal. Um, but right now, everything is working well. Um, we no pun intended. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's right. And, and we test, like, uh, like you said, uh, we test every month and yeah. we get no detects. Uh, so uh, I think everybody, yeah. all our customers can not have to worry about this one, that, that we got right. it under control and we manage it. Um, right. And as best we can. I've been over to that filtration plant, state of the art. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. Lots of shiny parts over there. <laughs> Not only are they shiny, but they actually are working, and, and we make sure they work correctly. Yeah, yeah. that's fantastic, Hans. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the spiler, um, the the testing. Um, CDC, the um, Centers for Disease Control, have actually um, uh, produced a, a, a test for residents in Hyannis from the specific years, I believe it was 2006 to 2016, if I remember correctly. Um, it's your health study. It'll help scientists to better understand how PFAS can affect our health because there hasn't been a lot of study on this particular um, subject. It's part of a broader national study. It's not just Hyannis. Uh, there's two specific towns in, I believe, Air is the other one uh, with Hyannis in the communities. There's seven states. Um, all have experienced PFAS drinking water contamination. Um, and we want to learn from it. Um, Laurel, talk a little bit about this study. It's ongoing and how residents can get involved in this, even if you're not living in Hyannis now. If you've lived in this uh, village for the last, you know, that 10-year spot, how do people get involved and should they get involved? Absolutely. And you gave a great summary of the study. Um, so the CDC or the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has recognized the need for more information about how PFAS can affect our health. There's a lot that we know already about how PFAS can affect our immune systems, our metabolism. Um, high levels have been linked to breast cancer and other types of cancer. Um, but there's also an opportunity to learn more. Hyannis is, unfortunately, is not unique in having had this type of contamination. There are communities all across the country that have experienced PFAS contamination. And so this, the CDC put together a, a study that they're calling the multi-site study. So they're funding research teams in seven states to recruit participants in communities like Hyannis that have experienced PFAS water contamination. So Silent Spring Institute is leading one of those seven projects. We're working closely with other researchers from Harvard School of Public Health um, and our local community partner is the Massachusetts Breast Cancer Coalition with whom we've, we were founded actually uh, in the 1990s and right. with whom we work closely on all of our federally funded um, PFAS research. Um, and so there's a core protocol that CDC has established to ensure consistency um, in how the results are being collected across the seven sites with the goal being of combining the information at the end of the study. Uh, many of the communities are, are kind of small um, 
And so to do a, a public health study or an epidemiological study where you look to make associations between exposures and health effects, um, having more people gives you more statistical power. Um, right. So combining information across multiple communities is helpful. So our two communities here in Massachusetts are the village of Hyannis and the town of Ayr. Um, the Ayr public water supply also was contaminated by firefighting foams, mainly from the former Fort Devens site there. Um, and as you mentioned, we are looking for to recruit both adults and children ages 4 to 17 who lived in Hyannis anytime between 2006 and uh, July 2016. After that point, the water filtration was meeting the um, EPA's 2016 health guidelines. So we're looking yeah. for people who might have had exposures before that point. Um, and there's a couple steps to, to being in the study, but it's really not a heavy lift to be in our study. Um, we do have a study office here in the town of Barnstable. Uh, we recently had to move. Um, so we're just over the, the Hyannis line in Centerville. Um, and we have a, a, a clinic set up where uh, participants come. They It's a lot like going to the doctor. We do a blood yeah. draw, we collect a urine sample, we do some body measurements. A second part of the study is to complete a questionnaire. We have questions about where people have lived and worked over time, some questions about their water consumption patterns. We want to know if someone mostly drinks bottled water or tap water, um, and some questions about their health history. Um, and then for children ages 5 to 17, we do ask them to come back for a second visit. We have some neurobehavioral tests. Um, there are questions by researchers about whether PFAS may in some way affect um, learning and memory and other brain function. Okay. Um, so we encourage everyone who lived in Hyannis during that time um, to consider signing up for the study. Um, this is a really major very visible effort, um, and Hyannis has a unique opportunity to be part of this. So I right. would really ask everyone to, to step up and represent Hyannis. Uh, we do also give gift cards, so up to $50 for adults and up to $75 for children who take part in the study. Right. Um, and you also get results. So fairly quickly, we can f share the results of routine blood tests. Um, you'll receive information about bl uh, blood cell counts, um, cholesterol, blood sugar, thyroid hormone levels, some that your doctors might do regularly and some uh, less routine um, tests. And then eventually it takes a little bit longer because it's very specialized equipment, but you will also receive information about the levels of PFAS in your blood. Okay. Um, and this testing is expensive. If you wanted to do this on your own, it would cost hundreds of dollars, but you'll receive right. that information for free. Um, and the show notes will have information um, with our website um, and our email address and phone number where people can email, call, or text us to set up an appointment. That's fantastic. And again, you know, Hyannis, let's let's step up. Let's help the rest of the country understand what happens to our bodies with these particular chemicals. And Hans, I really kind of want to, um, you know, kind of come back to how can residents help? Like they know what they can do for, um, the environment, right? We all have those types of things, but PFOS is not f always found just in firefighting foam. It is ubiquitous in everything that we use, it seems like. So what are some of those things that you might recommend to residents to kind of be aware of when they're consuming products or wearing products? I would say Two major things, and one of the things is basically what uh, the town manager has been mentioning before, Markels, and that is you have to really realize that uh, most of the water on Cape Cod, including here in the uh, town of Barnstable, uh, is groundwater. So the water under your feet is basically, what, you know, directly, indirectly, we pump out of the ground, and that's what we drink. So 
you really start thinking about it, you got to be very aware of what do you put on or in the ground, right under your right. feet, or what your neighbor is doing. And so that that's one thing to really be aware that that we are part of the environment. We are not like an onlooker. We're part of it. Right. The other part is is you know making being just as aware of even more how what you purchase and how how it affects you and and your environment uh, and that that is really the major issue it's it's a mindset that that really right. counts and you know this town and cape cod is a beautiful spot in the country um a lot of people come here for that reason and it's important to take care of it properly right we we uh we talk a lot about water quality here on podcasts and channel 18. Um, so we want all of our residents and our visitors to be aware that, you know, this is a fragile, special spot. We have a sole source aquifer, um, which means the water that we drink is only from one basically groundwater. Like you said, we stand on the water that we drink. Um, Laura, any last thoughts for our listeners before we get to the rapid fire questions? <laughs> Absolutely. I think Hans made some really important points about thinking about um, the role that we play as being part of the water cycle. And we think a lot about our carbon footprint, but we also have a, a chemical footprint. And when we bring products into our homes that have toxic chemicals, they don't stay in the products and they don't just stay in the, our homes. Um, some of them can end up in our wastewater and here on the Cape, a lot of that wastewater, well, all of it pretty much goes into the ground, um, mainly from septic systems and in some communities from wastewater treatment plants, um, for instance, here in, in Hyannis. So any, especially vi these very persistent chemicals like PFAS that are in products, they don't get broken down in a wastewater treatment plant. And so they do end up in groundwater and they'll, they'll be there for a long time to come. And so there's a lot that all of us can do um, to reduce the, our um, our chemical footprint, our uh, Silent Spring team has put together a smartphone app called Detox Me with tips for how to reduce your reliance on products with toxic chemicals, not just PFAS, but other um, other chemicals of concern as well. So we can find that for uh, iPhone and Android phones. Sure. Um, and it has lots of different types of tips. Um, and there's things all of us can do, both in our individual life um, as purchasers in our community. I know the town of Barnstable has some um, town-wide initiatives in terms of town um, purchasing yep. to um, limit products that contain PFAS. So we have different ways that we can um, contribute. I, I wish people didn't have to think about toxic chemicals when they were shopping for products right. for their families. Um, and ultimately, this we really need a shift in how we regulate chemicals at the federal level. But in the meantime, there's things that all of us can do as individuals and as a community. Right. And Hans, any last words of wisdom besides drink the water? It's safe. <laughs> no, uh, you're 100% you're correct, uh, Paula. And um, it's definitely safe to drink right now. And I'm looking forward to uh, to showing you the new Ma filtration plant, the right. Her Harold Toby filtration plant. So. It's fantastic. I think there's um, a lot that we can learn from, uh, obviously, science and from our own behavior. So uh, I thank you both. We've got some really cool questions. Rapid fire, right? Rapid fire means no half hour story. Um, <laughs> but you might have one. <laughs> Everybody does. So let's start with you, Laura. What's your favorite time of day? Early in the morning before anyone else in my house is awake. <laughs> we get that a lot. How about you, Hans? Uh, the opposite. The opposite. <laughs> 
Sundown. Sundown. When things quiet down. And that's my favorite time. Perfect. Um, this one's uh, one of my personal favorite rapid fire questions. And I'm going to ask Hans first because uh, his answer might be um, from another country. Uh, what was your first concert? Uh, yeah, that was in the Netherlands. I was going to say uh, ABBA, but no. No, no, no. That's that's Sweden. Yeah, I'm from the Netherlands originally. I was a, a Dutch singer, Andre Hazes, but, you know, nobody here knows him. But that's okay. How about you, Laurel? First concert. Wow, that's uh, quite a few years ago. Right. I think it was Sarah McLaughlin on the Hat Shell in Boston before she was wow. famous. My my now husband, at, my, at the time, my boyfriend um, is Canadian, so he'd heard of her, and I hadn't heard of her, so saw her on the yeah at the on the Hatchell in Boston. That's fantastic, Hans. Um, I know that you'll say the Mahar filter filtration um, is probably your favorite spot, favorite spot in Barnstable. But do you have a favorite spot in Barnstable that you just go and it's your happy place? Mary Dawn Pond. Mary Dunn Pond. Yes. You go there mm. and it's just absolutely beautiful. I've never but, been there. But no, we tried to hide a little bit. Right? It's gorgeous and it's just amazingly beautiful. Mm. Um, the other hidden one is actually the straightway and Hyens Port Wellfield. Oh. It's like you would never know we had such a beautiful little nature spot right in the middle of... Strayway, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's basically off of um, off of Smith Street and Strayway. Yeah, uh, you got Simmons Pond there, Ben's Pond. It's it's oh. a nice little spot. Ah, some new ones for me to kind of explore. How about you, Laurel? I know you're from over the bridge, but is there a spot in Barnstable when you're down here doing work that you just kind of like drive to and say, mm, "I'm here." Um. I have two kinds of spots. So, I mean, any, anytime I can see the ocean is really fabulous. A lot of my time on the Cape is in meetings. <laughs> so right. I don't spend as much time on the beach as I'd like. And my other place is um, Pan d'Avignon. Ah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks for spending time with us and listening to Discover Barnstable, the official podcast of the town of Barnstable. We hope you found a new understanding of how your municipal government works to protect engage and enact for you and our community. Be sure to drop us a line at podcast at town.barnstable.ma.us and let us know what you would like to learn next. Till next time, go discover Barnstable.